0: Welcome to Lame Stream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall.
1: My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me at Scavendish on Twitter. If you are so inclined, please rate us, review us, smash that subscribe button, hit it hard, hit it often.
0: Uh, just like I did with the Thanksgiving leftovers the last <laughs> week and a half. Happy Thanksgiving you know, to everybody out there.
1: You know, I uh, I ate the last bit of, we're, we're, we're doing this on a, on a Thursday Thanksgiving was a week ago. I don't know how good the leftovers actually were from a a public health standpoint, but I ate the last bit of leftovers for lunch here today. I finished off a a, a little bit of stuffing. I got to say, seven straight days of my favorite meal. I'm not tired of it. I would eat it again.
0: I I am actually right there with you. I've eaten nothing but turkey almost every single meal except for breakfast um, for the better part of a week. Uh, now I've joked about this. My 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 offense has changed dramatically and evolved. <laughs> a la Nick Saban. Um, it was very much you know inside the box, three tight ends, cram it all into the plate <laughs> on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I was running a very old school Big Ten style Smash Mouth offense. Uh, then it became a little bit more of an open it up spread offense, and I was doing the cold turkey sandwiches and you know throwing a few. Uh, you know piece of pie and a turkey sandwich for a couple of days that's more of the spread right like your, your middle of the road spread. You gotta
1: evolve gotta now evolve running,
0: or die Yeah, now i'm running straight air raid where i reach into the bucket in the fridge just grab a piece of cold turkey put some salt on it and eat it that's it now it's just slinging it 85 times a day
1: it was all thanksgiving <laughs> all the time and i gotta tell you if you've never had corn pudding for breakfast you gotta you gotta try it it's fantastic <laughs>
0: Well, I I like all the different variations of the Thanksgiving meal, but uh, when I eat a bowl of turkey and gravy like I did this morning for <laughs> breakfast, <laughs> that's then you know you've you've reached the end of the line because there's nothing else to mix with my turkey. So, you know, um, week-old gravy, I'm not so sure about. Yeah, but, like, you know. like you said, we're we're, we're not saying it's. 100 out of 100 on the public health score in the in the kitchen. Uh, I'm not suggesting that. Uh, Of course, as he said, rate, review and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, Mo Patton, of course, is going to be our guest today on the show from Southern Middle Tennessee sports, as of course, all of the the, the high school football championship games are taking place this weekend. So we thought who better to talk to Steve than uh, Mr. Patton on this show about high school sports in in the state of Tennessee and kind of covering high school sports as well.
1: Mo's been doing it forever. He was, uh, he was, a, a prep guy at the Tennessee. Inn when I got my start a while ago, uh, back in the early nineties, he, he'd covered some other things. I think he covered, uh, small colleges and, and covered the sounds and a few other things, but he's, he's been a prep guy most of his career. And I, and I, I think part of it is just because he loves it and he loves, you know, seeing the games at that level and the enthusiasm and the kind of the pure amateurism of sports. And it's just, uh, it's still refreshing to to hear it in his voice all these years later.
0: And and he's going to talk a lot about this in our conversation, but the dynamics of press coverage of athletes, obviously there's very, there's a lot of different dynamics at play that, that change as you go up a level or down levels in football, let's say, but the same applies for other sports, but football being the biggest the NFL to college changes very significantly. Actually, it's almost a little backwards. The NFL has far more access than college does. Um, but then it changes very drastically again when you go from college to high school. And it's not just access and the coaches and the money that's involved and the type of coverage, the type of stories, um, but it's also sort of your own reporting rules and, and how you treat those, the subjects of, of what you're writing about because – it's very different to write about a 25-year-old millionaire than it is to write about a 16-year-old you know, sophomore at Franklin High School.
1: You know, we talk about about NFL players often in terms of their contract. Ryan Tannehill is getting four years and X million dollars uh, in his contract. And is he worth what he's you know, what we're paying him right now? That's how we think about these athletes. That's that's their value. You know, the value proposition for high school sports is you know, it is the game. And it's kids getting to play and it's kids getting better, them getting to improve as athletes. And 90X percent of, of these kids are never going to play at the next level. You know, they're going to play, their memories of, of high school sports are going to end at a very specific level. And then that's fine. And we should enjoy them for what they are. And I, and I think that Mo got inducted uh, into the TSSAA uh, he got, re- got recognized by the TSSAA a couple of years ago, and he said something really interesting. This didn't come out in the, in, in the interview. He gave a quote to him and he said, I just think that at the high school level, you're dealing with a lot of kids who are truly playing for the love of the game, not necessarily playing for, does my scholarship or education depend on it? They're playing because they love playing, and I love highlighting those kids. A- and I think that is something, uh, that is something that's just fantastic
0: and and he's going to talk a little bit about this but i actually i've learned this and evolved through this process you know we talk about this with him on the show you know i i started out of the out, out of college and when i was whatever 24 and i didn't really feel like it was that big of a deal to be critical of college athletes like the job oh the job was to be critical got to be honest to your audience got to be objective got to give a fair take to your audience your audience is what matters that's what that's what matters and, and at, you know, now at 38 years old, I definitely look at a 19-year-old and a 20-year-old very differently, especially learning the business of college football and how it's changed. And so I don't think it's, there's a problem, and, and he'll explain his thought process on this, but I don't have a problem with using, quote, kid gloves in reporting on kids. I, I think that that's okay. I do not think that applies to administrators and to coaches and to the TWSAA if, if there are things that are happening there that are stories that are negative, I, I think you need to report on those adults and their behavior no differently than you would report on anything else.
1: Yeah, we did, uh, when I was editor of City Paper, we had written a big thing about Montgomery Bell and recruiting and them skirting the rules over the years of financial aid and, and, and players. And we actually had to sue the TSSAA. And And one of the really interesting things in the course of that conversation was we were accused of kind of wanting to kind of make, not make fun of kids, but, but to, to criticize these kids and, and our response was always, no, 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 the kids don't matter in this. If, if some kid got a great education an MBA, and MBA and went on to a good college and whatever else, good for that kid. Fantastic for him. It's always adults that break the rules and it, it's adults that need to be held accountable. And that's what, I think prep coverage is is different in that respect. In that that you have to treat the kids as as not kind of fully being accountable for everything that happens.
0: Yeah, they're story adjacent. They're not the story. Right. Um, they're sort of caught up in the story. Uh, and, he, and and Mo will talk about this too. It's it you know it, it. And recruiting is also a big part of this too because the parents exist sort of in between because they are family. But they're adults, and adults should be held accountable as well for behavior, both good and bad. And and um, so very interesting. And you mentioned the adults in the room sort of acting in a certain way. You know, we're going to talk about this after the interview. So hold your thoughts on this because I've got some some feelings about this too. But the fact that the TWSAA private, essentially private and public schools are not mixed together, like almost every other state in America, is for a couple of very specific reasons. Mo will explain a little bit about that, and then you and I will do a little bit of talking about that afterward if, if that's okay with you I'm absolutely fine with that <laughs> so Mo's going to take us through his entire career he's going to talk about covering high school athletics why he was drawn to that that beat and how it's changed how it's evolved he, he's obviously had some interesting experiences with large corporate newspapers as well so we'll we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that too We'll discuss that uh, as well. Um, So we hope you enjoy also ratings and recs, of course, coming up after the interview as well. So please enjoy our conversation without further ado uh, with our good friend, of course, of Southern Middle Tennessee sports, Mo Patton.
1: We are talking to Mo Patton, longtime prep writer here in Nashville and the Middle Tennessee area. Mo, let's talk a little bit about your background. You're an area guy. Grew up in Franklin. I think you're the I think you're the last uh, <laughs> graduating class at Franklin uh, before they they split up and went to Brentwood and Franklin. I guess back in the early '80s. Is that right?
2: It kind of scares me that you know that, Steve. <laughs> but that is correct. I was um, the last graduating class at Franklin High School in 1982 before Brentwood High. Opened in the fall of eighty-two, and and again, it makes me wonder what else you know. But
1: uh, uh, I yeah, got fam- uh, I got family everywhere, man. But yes, that that's correct. I, I am a I am.
2: I thought you were going to say I was the last Franklin native that still lives there, which I think <laughs> is also accurate. But um, yeah, um, I'm I'm an area guy.
1: And so you you graduated from there. Uh, I think you did some time elsewhere. Ended up graduating at MTSU, where you. Where you got the bug? You were you started you started covering uh, you started covering sports when you were uh, for for sidelines, which was school paper, right?
2: Actually, I didn't do sidelines. I I spent my freshman year at Lambeth College down in Jackson. Couldn't afford to go back. Transferred to MTSU. Was an accounting major when I got there, and you can probably figure out how that finished up. <laughs> but uh, I started working in sports information as a student worker for Ed Given, who was a longtime Sports writer for the Nashville Banner, as you've got the tube up there, and kind of got the got the bug from there. Did some part-time work at the Daily News Journal in Murfreesboro while I was finishing up school. Realized I wasn't going to get my accounting degree. Figured I needed to do something. Started working full-time at the Review Appeal in Franklin in 1987, and with the exception of a couple of untimely Work stoppages have been in the business ever since
1: one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you was was the fact that, that prep coverage has really sort of changed over the over the last over the last thirty five years one of the there 's been a couple of big pieces to it. one is pro sports came to town mm-hmm. it, you know local local high school coverage was which was one of the biggest. Uh, staples for broadcast and 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 newspaper coverage kind of got diminished by the Titans and the Predators and uh, and then the second piece of that is sort of the rise of recruiting uh, as a as a dominant uh, as a dominant sort of piece of news let's, let's talk about the first part of that what was the what was the what was the prep landscape like when you got started
2: well, when I started at the review appeal again in eighty-seven, that was pretty much all we did. Everything we did was prep related, whether it was actual high school coverage or coverage of kids who had come through our Williamson County high schools and gone on to, you know, bigger and better things, be it collegiate or pro, just trying to maintain that local connection to those athletes and and the people that were you know, running and supporting those athletes. And so you go from that, spent three years there. I went to the Tennessee in 90. And as you said, preps was still a major staple of what we were doing at that time. I mean, it was basically UT Vanderbilt and high school athletics.
1: And it was highly competitive.
2: Yeah, because, again, you had the banner in the afternoon and and you had the Tennessean. You know, the banner did not have a Saturday morning paper. So, you know, our high school football coverage was was non-paralleled. I mean, and we took a lot of pride in that, a lot of pride in that in having all those box scores and having all those um, top performers and, and the photos and everything that you know, everything that the Chattanooga Times Free Press is doing now, and nobody else is. And so, again, we took a lot of pride in that. And then in the mid-90s, like you said, you get the Pritz, you get the Titans, and everybody kind of took the hit. Not just high schools, but, you know, Belmont, Lipscomb, you know, your, your area colleges kind of got left behind in that because everything suddenly lined up behind the Titans and the Preds, UT and Vanderbilt weren't going to lose a lot of that, you know, market share. They weren't going to lose a lot of column inches and that kind of thing. And, you know, the paper didn't get a whole lot bigger in terms of what you had to work with. So something had to give, you know, it was high schools, it was area colleges, it was the sounds, that kind of thing. And, you know, I I think our market was the worst for it, but that was the decision that was made. And
0: I didn't have anything to do with it. So I, none of us really have ever had anything to do with it, frankly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, and, you know how that goes. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, I do. Um, you know, I've, I've covered college football as sort of my primary beat for most of my career. But then getting into covering the NFL with the Titans, covering the Predators, covering the professional ranks, th- there's obviously very different methodologies and reasons why those beats are fun and, and entertaining and interesting they all have sort of their own strengths and weaknesses. Try to explain to people, what about the prep beat, number one, that you enjoyed so much, that you liked so much, that, and then sort of the strengths and weaknesses. Obviously, you know, access is much easier on a prep level than the NFL. It's, you know, that's not rocket science. But just take people through the differences between covering a prep beat versus maybe anything else in sports and why you gravitated so much towards that and enjoyed it so much for so long.
2: You know, I, I think covering the prep beat, as you said, access is a large thing. I mean, there's just so many fewer hoops to jump through, COVID aside, because that's that's made things a little different here over the last few months. But generally speaking, in normal times, it's a lot easier to get to people. There's a level of appreciation with coverage of high school athletics and you know we all like to be appreciated I mean you you told me Steve there's no shit there's no sense in bullshitting about it I mean we all like to be appreciated in what we do and you don't have the Mike Vrabel snarkiness at the high school level you know you don't have to deal with that and and if you do you just don't deal with that coach or that program so there's that as well. But, you know, I just think the, the appreciativeness of the people that you deal with as much as anything. But the flip side of that is you as a writer, as a reporter, you appreciate that. And it kind of drives you and motivates you to find those good stories. And there's always some sort of unique story out here at the high school level that by the time you get to the collegiate or the pro level doesn't exist. You know, the multi-sport athlete, I've always been huge on that. I, I love kids that play more than one sport. I hate specialization. That's just a personal thing. But, you know, you can find, you know, a brother and a sister that that are both athletes, you know, you know fathers and sons. I've, I've got something kind of teed up here that I'm going to work on here once we get done with football on a father-son team. Different things like that. Just... And it's not that those stories don't exist at the collegiate or at the pro level, but they're easier to get to. There's more of a variety of them just because of the number of schools that are out there. And you've got people whispering in your ear, hey, you might have check on X, different things like that. So, I mean, that's kind of what makes it enjoyable. And it's always fun when you can find a story that nobody else has. You know, that doesn't change regardless of what level it is, but it's it's a little bit easier probably at the high school level.
1: That feedback can get really intense at, at the prep level too, because a lot of times you may be the only person or one of two or three people that have written about a team, a player uh, a, or a school, and the, the feedback that you get from those families from those, from those fans of that school can be really, really intense. Talk to me a little bit about that. What's, what's some of the, what's some of the, the most scrutiny you've gotten from, from fans out of that?
2: Oh goodness. Um, The most scrutiny I've gotten, you know, I did a story late in my career at the Tennessean on, you know, kids transferring from school A to school B and either getting eligible or not getting eligible. And, the differences what the what caused them to be eligible, what caused them to not be eligible, that kind of thing. And you know, I got a little sniping at me for that one.
1: You yeah, know, anytime you, you write about, about recruiting or or transfers.
2: Yeah, it you kind of when you start getting into family situations and personal situations and that kind of thing. You're kind of treading on on some pretty thin ice there sometimes, or you know disciplinary situations or whatever else it is. It gets kind of kind of dicey, but at the same time, getting at those stories is you know kind of the fun part where you kind of get to hone your skills as a as a reporter and as a you know journalist and that kind of thing. Getting to that. You know, the, the NBA situation, Steve, you probably remember that from a few years back where oh, yeah. um, some money was being exchanged that shouldn't have been, that kind of thing. That got kind of um, interesting. Those are just the two that come at, come right off the top of my head, I guess, as far as some of the more intriguing situations that I've been involved with as a journalist.
0: Maybe walk people through the, that process a little bit more, as much as you feel comfortable, where you find a story, you you think that there's something there that needs to be told. It, it may not make everybody happy. How do they take it and then come back to you with it? Sort of what what's that process like for people that, that don't know what that interaction's like?
2: It's tough because people are used to, particularly at the high school level, things being positive. And so when you write something, that they perceive as negative it's almost like you betrayed a trust and that can be kind of tough sometimes i've had some situations where some folks have run afoul of either legal or ethical boundaries that i have felt you know fairly close to you know kind of took exception with some of the stuff that was written about their situation and it's tough i don't think any of us gets into this to write about negative stuff but at the same time when it comes across your desk you know if you don't write it somebody else will and sometimes you try to take it as easy as you can while doing your job whereas there's a lot of other folks that would have just written it and not worried about it and so it's a tough tightrope to walk there because again I kind of pride myself on the relationships that I've built in this area. And a lot of them are, like you said, Steve, 30, 35 years old as far as I mean, there are still some folks in this business that I'm covering that I was covering when I started at the review appeal. And so you build those relationships and you build those trusts with those people and the possibility of having to even feel like you violate it is is a tough thing sometimes. But um
1: Professionally a, a negative,
2: speaking, that, that comes with
1: it. A, a negative story about a kid too, it, it's different. I mean, so if you're writing about Derrick Henry or if you're writing about Roman Yossi, those guys are getting paid millions of dollars and those millions come with certain obligations, responsibilities. Mm-hmm. You know, these kids are out there playing, most of them for the fun of it. Most of them aren't going to aren't going on to college. When you when you've got a negative story about a kid, how do you approach that versus versus something that is, is easier. I mean, that's not, that's not a feature about someone.
2: You know, you, the first thing you do is you make sure, or I try to make sure that I'm not adding any more to it than there already is. I mean, I want to vet it out as much as I can. If it's a, if it's a, you know, even potentially negative, you want to make sure one, that it's accurate Two, you want to, For lack of a better word, you try to cushion it as best you can, because again, sometimes you're dealing with 16, 17, 18-year-olds. I don't know that I would want somebody writing about the negative stuff that I did at that age. I mean, sometimes it's just a bad decision, you know, And, and sometimes we would all be well served to remember that. At the same time, these situations do sometimes come up. You do have to write about them. You do the best you can, and then you just hope that there's somebody close to the people involved that will cushion that and say, hey, he wasn't being personal, he was just doing his job.
1: Do you think that that that's different now versus pre-internet where you might've written a story and it might've run versus now that story is gonna be instantaneously transmitted around and kids are gonna pass it by social media, they're gonna pass it by text. Is there any more of a burden on you now than, than there was before the internet?
2: I, I think there is more of a burden as, as much as anything because it's a longer shelf life. It doesn't go away. If, if you wrote that story 20 years ago, you had to go to the archives and find it at this point. I mean, you had to dig for it. Now all you got to do is Google somebody and that stuff is right there. And anytime somebody wants to breathe new life into it, they can
0: What's interesting is, is I found that as, you know, when I was 24, 25, right out of college, and I was working for a recruiting company, Rivals.com at the time, I, I really didn't feel any sort of weirdness about criticizing college athletes because they were kind of my age. And now at, at my age with two kids and having done it for 15 or 20 years, I, I, I don't care about criticizing Roman Yossi or Derrick Henry, but even the college kids now, I feel like i 'm giving a pass to, and like you said, mo be, be aware of, of like, hey, this is a kid, this is somebody that made a young mistake, maybe along the way, and that you were we all sort of lived in those in those shoes at some point. I, I find it much harder to be hard on the college athlete in particular. now, when it comes to the high school athlete it 's even easier, I think, like you said, to cushion it a little bit i don 't feel the same way, and this is just me personally. I would not feel the same way about the coach or the administrator, you know running MBA or running. CPA or whatever, like, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't feel any pressure to sort of soften the blow with those folks. I would feel a ton of pressure to soften the blow with the, with the 15-year-old. What about the recruiting parents? Because they're sort of, they sort of exist in this middle ground of there's a little bit of business involved. There's a little bit of future involved. There's a little bit of career involved, but it's also family too. They, they sort of exist in this middle, middle ground between administrator and 15-year-old.
2: You know, fortunately... I'm in a situation now where I can kind of pick and choose what I do and don't, write. I typically don't deal with recruiting. Uh, I mean, between having covered it at the high school level, having covered it when I covered UT and TSU and MTSU and Vanderbilt, you know, call me when they're signing and, (laughs) and, and, and we'll be there. But short of that, you know, somebody just got an offer from, somebody's leaning to somebody's decommitting, you know, commitments I'll write about typically, but, but all the other stuff leading up to that, you know, it, it's just, it's just too fluid. And if you write about one, you have to write about 20 as many media outlets as there are in the area. I'm not even sure people are going to read where I'm writing SM-TN shameless plug, but um <laughs> I'm not sure necessarily that people are coming to me for that anyway. So, you know, I'm, I feel a little fortunate in that because recruiting, again, over over my lengthy career, I, I feel like it's a little overblown anyway. But that, that's just me. I know there's a lot. I know there's a lot of interest in it. <laughs> I know people can get that interest satiated in a lot of places. I don't think anybody's looking to me for that. And so they can look somewhere
0: else. I, I feel totally validated in this moment because I have for about the last 10 years felt like recruiting is now, even as a as a media member who acknowledges that it is the lifeblood of college football that I've covered my entire career. It's sort of like being pregnant. Don't tell me about the labor pain. Show me the baby. Like it's it's – When they've signed, it's not the end of the process. It's the beginning of the process. And I don't think fans understand. I feel like fans have lost that since the internet and recruiting and message boards have come around.
2: Well, and what's funny is the number of parents that I've talked to that tell you the difference in a coach when he's recruiting your kid and once your kid starts playing for him. And it's like, you know, you told me my kid was the best thing since sliced bread. What happened? You know? it almost amazes me that parents even have that reaction. I mean, they've got to coach your kid. And and there are times where your kid's are not going to have a good practice. There there are going to be weeks when your kid doesn't have a good practice. And, and you know, they're going to tell them, you know, for that to be the first time that they hear something negative from that person is tough, but it's, it's part of the territory, I would think. And, you know, if kids aren't equipped at home you know, in their high school program for that, then that can be a a culture shock. But it's just kind of the nature of the whole process, I think.
1: There's obviously been a lot of cuts in the news industry over the last 30 years. How do you think those cuts have affected prep coverage? I know there's less of it, but, but there's also things that have been have, have kind of sort of sprung out of it like for instance you can now go and self publish you can go and to any number of other sites and publish how do you think how do you think the the changes have affected prep coverage over the last over the last couple of decades
2: i think that there are a number of really talented folks out there covering high school athletics in middle tennessee and beyond that are not necessarily affiliated with your traditional media outlets. I think if people want to read great high school athletics coverage, they are able to do that without necessarily looking to traditional media outlets for that great media coverage. And I'm not necessarily sure that all of the great media coverage of high school athletics comes from those traditional media outlets.
1: Which is, which is ironic because Gannett has scooped up most of those outlets around Tennessee. I mean, they have, they have Knoxville, Nashville, Memphis, Clarksville, Murfreesboro, uh, and a couple of other kind of smaller sites. It, would, it seems like that would be like the funnel for, for everything, preps but yet. And they, I, would
2: love for you, and, and they would love for you to believe that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Go, go on. It,
2: right? They, they would love for you to believe that. I think really that – I think Gannett has taken the the approach that if we don't cover it, it's not worth covering. I think a lot of programs and athletes have suffered as a result of that, you know, to the extent that you suffer from lack of media coverage. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's not life or death. I mean, you know, these kids are out here playing ideally – for the love of the game, not for seeing their name in newspaper X. But again, that validation is nice to get, and it doesn't have to be Gannett that gives you that validation for for you to be validated. Like I said, there's a lot of folks out here doing some really good stuff. Uh, Main Street Preps is doing a great job. Six One Five Preps is doing a great job. You know, Five Star Preps over in East Tennessee. Jesse Smithy does a fantastic job. And, and I think we're doing a pretty good job at Southern Middle Tennessee sports.
0: Amateur athletics in general being affected by 2020, because I always thought that you look at the professional ranks and it's all it's all negotiated and, and everybody's signing away their their sort of medical rights legally. But college football has felt like it has been the most affected because of misinformation and lack of transparency. Have you seen some of those problems on the lower high school levels in Tennessee? Are there issues that just aren't getting reported because all of it is kept behind closed doors? Or do you think that's more of a, the stakes are so high in college football versus the stakes maybe being much lower in the high school ranks? Does that question make sense?
2: Yeah, it does make sense. And I do think that the stakes are, are higher at the collegiate football level in particular, I, you know, you hear the phrase X is too big to fail. I think that's kind of a phrase that fits college football right now in particular, just because they are that cash cow for so many athletic programs across the country. Um, I don't know that that is necessarily the issue for high school football. I know there was a real fear over the summer as to whether or not high school football, particularly in Tennessee, would be played. So the fact that we have reached this point of the season that we can say we completed a high school football season, I think is going to be a feather in everybody's cap because back in July, there was no guarantee that there would be a season
1: at all, let alone that there would be champions crowned. How do you think the TWSWA has performed in the middle of all this. I mean, it's, it's tough. Everybody that has to manage this, whether you're pro collegiate or, or high school has had to do this. They're building the plane as, as it's taking off.
2: (laughs) That's a great way to put it. And and I, I think you're absolutely right. And the thing is the, the unfortunate thing about it was there was no right answer. I mean, should they have played football at all? Hell, I don't know. I mean, If if they had said, we're not going to do anything athletically this year, no football, no volleyball, no girls' soccer, no nothing, people would have argued. I don't know that they would have realistically had a leg stand on. The fact that they chose to play, they took flack for that. You know, there, There was not going to be a right answer in the middle of a global pandemic. What the TWSAA did, though, was they took the information that they had And they made the best decision for the most people. I think that's what decision makers should try to do. You know, we are going to allow you to play. And if there's somebody closer to you that won't let you play, Shelby County Schools, then that's between you and them. But we are going to provide a framework and a mechanism for high school sports at the state level to take place. And then it's going to be up to your local governing bodies to decide whether or not to go along with that. I think they did a great job. You know, they put some some things in place that allow teams to step out as they had to for quarantining or for an uptick in positive cases or whatever else. Come back in, pick up, you know, they got a playoff bracket together and they were they've been able to play. You know, you lost a couple of teams over the course of the playoffs, but you know, you're gonna crown nine champions over the weekend. And and I I think that's fantastic. I really do. Especially when you go back to the spring, when you couldn't do that in boys and girls basketball. Do
1: you think those uh, champions get asterisks by them or not?
0: Ask those kids. (laughs) When, when in 20 years, right. When they all have, when they all look at those rings.
2: Shoot on Saturday night. (laughs) No, no, I don't think you put asterisks next to those. I, I think that that, I think that cheapens the process. I mean, those kids went out there and they did what they were asked to do as well as they could do it. Those coaches went out and did what they were asked to do and beyond. I mean, can you imagine running a high school football practice with no more than nine nine kids in a group, you know, to try to prevent the spread? You know, keeping folks socially distanced, doing everything that they were asked to do to play football, and then you want to put an asterisk next to their name? No.
0: What's funny is uh, I don't think we'll need asterisks at all either, but I do think that 2020 is the next four letter word um, that we're <laughs> all just going to know what it means like we'll just see 2020 and we'll all just know exactly what it means. Um, it, it's,
2: it's a four letter word now. Yeah, <laughs> I
0: mean, it's going to be a know, ver-
2: because, because 2020. Yeah.
1: It's, it's, uh, it's going to be a verb soon enough. Are we going to yeah. 2020 this?
0: Yeah, exactly. Number one, do you have any history or knowledge of why that Tennessee is one of the only states in the country that separates its public school programs and its private school programs into different divisions? I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but I want to say it's four or five or six in the country that do that. And, you know, we have Brentwood in Oakland. We don't have Brentwood versus NBA, right? Like, so why do you have any history or knowledge or insight as to why that is? And and do you think that, that we should be joining all these groups together.
2: I would love to see public and private play under one roof, so to speak. But back during the early to mid 90s there was such a hue and cry about, you know, private schools having advantages being able to recruit this and that that you know, enough of the right people were complaining about it and got enough of the right ears that they were able to get, you know, those schools divided based on whether or not they were giving financial aid and eventually it has come to, you know, independent schools versus public schools period, whether you're giving aid or not. And I I think it was some egos that probably got bruised at some point, some public schools that felt like they were really good at whatever particular sport they were pursuing that lost to some private school that they felt like they shouldn't have had to play because all five or all 12 or whatever of their kids were from parts unknown, that kind of thing. I I just, I don't know that it was necessarily in the best interest of the kids, but it was in the best interest of some adults. And so that's the decision that was made. And, you know, that's fine if you're going to do that. I just, I'm a wrestling parent. And it's tough to go to the state wrestling tournament and see eight kids in a bracket and six medalists in Division II and see 32 kids in a bracket and six medalists in Division I large class. I mean, those top six wrestlers in D2 and those top six wrestlers in um, Division One large class are probably equally as good. But those kids didn't have to make the same trip to get to that medal stand that those kids did in Division One, and I would just like to see a little bit more equity applied if we're going to have Division Two and Division One. I. I would just as soon get rid of it, but you know that genie's not going back in that bottle.
1: Would you support some different some different areas like DC, for example? At the end of a season, you'll see like the Catholic League play the play the the public league uh would you support in in sports where it makes sense where like in, in basketball or baseball or something like that probably easier than it would be for football like a bowl or, like a, yeah, or like a champions yeah like that. yeah something you, like that can you imagine the money that's being left on the table by not doing that it'd be unbelievable it'd be absolutely yeah. unbelievable i'd go I, I mean i would i would and i don't go see a lot of high school sports anymore uh, cuz i don't you know you
2: should,
1: but, you should. But, but I mean, I, like I don't have I don't have kids, so I don't have that. I, don't, I never had that that link back to it after mm-hmm. you know after I graduated. I would absolutely go see go go see that tournament and go see those kids just because for the I don't know for for the for the sheer the it's idea kind of that the you could the spectacle.
2: Yeah, it's kind of a best of the best kind of thing, and yeah. you know it's been kicked around to do something like that again. I, I I'm kind of a member of the wrestling community. It's been kicked around to do like a public private, you know, top medalist, bring them together and and have like a best of the best top tournament. And I think that would be fantastic. I, I think folks would eat that
0: up. As a fellow <laughs> Franklin High graduate, my wife and I both received emails to vote to change the name, we voted to change the name. Uh, As a black man, how did you feel about the change of the Franklin mascot, the process, how it was handled?
2: I think the ultimate decision, I think what we got, I'm not a big Admirals fan necessarily, but I'm glad to see something different. I I think um, one of the biggest arguments was, you know, how come we never heard about it before now? You know, you probably did hear about it, you just weren't listening. Or you know, we were too busy with other stuff to be bothered with rebels at the time. I just think I think it was a good thing in the climate that we're in right now. When did you graduate from Franklin, Braden?
0: You're not gonna like this. I was born in '82. I, <laughs> <laughs> I graduated. <laughs> I graduated in 2000, and my wife graduated in '04, I believe. So. Okay.
2: No, man, I am. The guy that I work with on my website, Chris Yao reminds me all the time that I've been covering sports longer than he's been alive. I'm used to it. It it comes with the territory. It beats the alternative.
0: (laughs) Yes, it does. Mo, thank you so much, man. Before we get cut off, uh, I want to say thank you, and uh, we do appreciate your time.
2: Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on.
0: Special thanks to Mo Patton, of course, for joining us on this week of all the state championship games, Southern Middle Tennessee sports. And I want to start right there before we get to some of the negative stuff, Steve, that you and I want to say. Sure. Um, uh, The positive is that, and I think Mo does a really good job. He's got, what I love about him is he's just got sort of this even keel approach and and view on everything. And his, his look at executing a football season during a pandemic was, I think, very measured. If they had canceled the season, you didn't really have an argument to say "No, no, 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 we should play, But the fact that we all sort of somehow figured out a way to get to a point of having championship games, you know that the kids could get to play and learning about the medical stuff as it evolves, and then covering all of that, I know on a college level it's been very difficult for me i can't imagine having to do it on the prep level
1: especially yeah. because there's so many factors involved i mean there there are what i mean there's a 100- hundred plus school districts around the state because you you have counties and cities and and, and different other pieces there. All of them are, we've said this before trying to build the plane as it takes off. They don't, they've never had to experience anything like this. They don't know kind of what the public health rules should be. Shelby County said, no, from the from the outset that the, the, they not there's not going to be a football season so it's been ex- it's been exceptionally tough I, I think the TSSAA has taken a very measured approach uh, and done a really good job and the fact that championship games this weekend is a little amazing to me they may have gotten it in under the wire in a way that <laughs> the colleges might not yeah, yeah. or at least like some conferences I mean What's the Big Ten conference game going to look like? Who knows? Yeah,
0: well, and, and it's interesting talking to him, and part of the reason I asked him about sort of the, the stakes is through these processes, I, I, I know college football is corrupt. I, I've covered it for so long. The environment is laid out to sort of foster corruption, which is unfortunate and maybe cynical on my part. But when you take those high-dollar stakes away, which is what high school football is, with the exception of a few schools and a few big-time recruits or whatever, by and large, as you said, and as he said, 99% of these kids are playing because they want to they play the game and, and parents want to watch their kids and you know schools want to have something to rally around. And it's all generally for the right reasons. And when you take away those multi-million dollar television contracts that the SEC needs and the huge athletic department budgets, it actually does allow for a safer conversation and a smarter and healthier conversation. So I actually think... An organization like the TSSAA and, and high school football has actually probably been handled way better because there's the incentives aren't there to, to cheat the system like they are in the college level.
1: No, they're, they're not. You know, the, the, the only money that, that's there is usually around the championship games. Uh, and that's really the only time that, that the organization sees any sort of significant revenue. And that's not big money. I mean if it was if it was huge money they wouldn 't be playing in Cookville right now <laughs> they're they're playing there for the same oh, reason Cookville? What, well I mean i don 't hate Cookville, but i don 't want to be in <laughs> Cookville right now one of the things that one of the things that was interesting out of that conversation was uh, Mo, to me you could tell he doesn 't like to do recruiting stories, and i don 't blame him The recruiting aspect is one of the ways that that prep sports coverage has changed when these big recruiting publications uh and now mostly sites have have moved in and it's almost it, it that's that's where the professionalization of high school sports has gone that's where there's page views and that's where there's that's where there's money and and that's also where sort of like the most pound your head sort of journalism goes <laughs> I hate watching uh, kind of all the recruiting stuff that goes on and people hanging on a kid's every, you know, every stat and every... What type of deodorant every, did he
0: use last weekend? Oh, yeah. it means he's going to Georgia. Okay. Exactly. Did such and such
1: have a good time on their... On oh. their- on he, their visit to Ole Miss.
0: Of course they did. Have you ever been to Ole Miss?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I, I, I'm not surprised that, that that's the kind of thing that Moe's tried to stay out of for most of his career. Because, because to me, that's the, that's the least interesting sort of stuff. And that's the least impactful sort of stuff. It's, it's, it's a very narrow subgenre of, of sports journalism. It's and, also an
0: extremely tiny percentage of high school football players in the state of Tennessee. Right. Right. Like of the hundreds of thousands of kids or whatever that are playing football, like or whatever the number is, you're talking about a small percentage, 30 of them that are going to get power five offers to go play and and therefore generate the page views and the clicks and the traffic and the interest. And, And I do think it is two things. It's one of them is the recruiting people that are interested in recruiting news. And that's a part of how you can sustain a media company covering prep schools and prep athletics. But I do think, and I think Mitch Light said this on our episode when he joined us a couple of weeks ago, that he he thinks that those local areas, shops, you know, whatever papers are going to survive websites, whatever it is, because parents are always going to want to read about their kids. And I, you know, I was one of them. I I, I played football at Franklin High School. And, you know, I'm not going to go Al Bundy here on you guys and talk about the time I scored seven touchdowns, but like... My, Wait, mom and, my mom, my mom and scored dad, seven touchdowns uh, for the whole season, maybe. Oh, okay. Uh, my, my mom and dad cut out every piece of paper out of the Williamson AM or, you know, the review appeal or the Tennessee and they, every single time the scoreboard was out or the stats were, were coming out, like they clipped everything. And obviously that was very different for both recruiting and for media. I, I graduated in 2000. So my senior season would have been 99 fall of 99. That, that was before rivals.com existed. And that's, and that's the, that's the, the upside and downside of prep
1: coverage, which is there's always going to be that market, but that market does not scale up the, the, the people who found that that market scales up are the recruiting people because, and, and really to think about recruiting coverage as, as high school coverage is a misnomer. That's college coverage. Yep. You're thinking about these kids as, college, as future college athletes, not as high school athletes. That's where some of the money has gone. And that's why some of these recruiting sites are big and very profitable. It's because they've been able to tap, tap into this wider college audience. The, the thing that publications have been struggling with here for now for years is how do they continue to do prep coverage? And, and we talked about this uh, with Mo you know, there's sort of the the diminished resources at a, at a newspaper or on a broadcast uh, on TV. There's just not the space. There's not the time. There's not whatever that there used to be mainly because in our case, because the people's attention spans are, are more geared in this market towards professional sports, but there, but there are families and there are, there are people associated with those schools that are going to, ha- there's always going to be some of it. It's just never going to be any bigger than it is right now.
0: Yeah. Uh, and Lastly here to kind of wrap up our conversation. Um, I, I do think I love his, like, again, access is everything. I found this covering college baseball versus college football, zero access in college football, tons of access in college baseball. Like I could have a beer with Kevin, you know, Kevin Sullivan of the Florida Gators national championship head baseball coach on a Tuesday night in Omaha and just talk shop with him at the hotel because, because they're just all accessible. And that's the beauty of, finding really cool stories about young families and like like Mo was talking about, the access you've got with the high school level to truly tell stories that are very genuine and very sort of uh, for the love of the game and, and all that stuff. Uh, I do want get, to get our comment on the breaking of the public and private and his story about how that went down in the 90s and some adults in the room maybe not doing what was best for some kids and the, all, the motives behind all of that. I, I do think it's a shame that we do not have Brentwood and Brentwood Academy competing for the same championship. I I just, I don't, you know, that's a tough thing for me to sort of reconcile is we've got all these great high school programs, but, you know they 're not playing each other for championships, you know I would like to see
1: innsworth against against the top oakland uh, yeah
0: i 'd love to see innsworth
1: oakland i mean that 's a game that i that 's a game that me as a casual observer, someone who doesn 't want to watch a lot of high school football, would tune in to see like that sort of like unified championship and that, and that 's what I think I wish that they would kind of figure out is is there a way for the d two and d one schools of, of comparable size to have sort of a unification bout where you say, okay, we realize that these things are different. Some, some of these schools are giving financial aid. Some of these and um, the public schools are not. We just want to see them on the field. Just want to see what would happen if they played each other. Trent Dilfer has built a really good program. Uh, well, continued a really good program at, at Lipscomb. I'd love to see you know, if, if, they were the, if they were the champions. I think they're playing CPA here as we record. I'd love to see what, what, what they would do against, you know, uh, against the 3A team or to a team or whatever kind of like that Al- Alcoa <laughs> yeah whatever that size yeah. kind of comp is right and maybe in football it's harder to do but certainly in basketball for instance there's no reason for there's no reason for the for the heavyweights in d1 and d2 to not play each other it's it's an easy thing to pull off you could have it as a as like a day-long thing if you had a day-long thing at Bridgestone you could I don't know if you could sell it out all at once maybe you could you know I think there's 15, people's you know, tickets worth of, uh, of interest in kind of an all-day jamboree of the best high schoolers in the state playing one-off games. How That's, pumped do you think those kids would be for that?
0: Oh, yeah. The, the, what's funny is, as I've sat through many, 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 many Georgia-Auburn Wednesday night SEC games that are, t- you know, the 11th seed versus the fourteen seed in front of 4,500 people, I, I'm willing to bet you that that kind of basketball tournament would do way better than like even a vandy georgia basketball game would no oh, yeah uh, absolutely abso- absolutely
1: i i think that that is you know that and that's the kind of thing that can bring like intense interest back to back to prep sports yep. one thing one thing we had to do here too we had a you know if you want to go see Mo's work he's at sm-tnsports.com uh that's southern middle tennessee sports uh he and chris Yao. Keep that site going uh, and you can find there. Mo is there right now because he, he had been at the Tennessee for a long time there Tennessee and as Gannett has done as Gannett had just has just done they've done a they did a company wide thing of buyouts throughout newsrooms around the country. They've been doing this for years. Uh, Mo was in a layoff here several years ago from the Tennessean. He freelanced for a lot of people, then was working in Columbia as as a sports writer down there. Gannett came back and came for him again when when Gannett and and Gatehouse merged. In, it's the most asinine thing in the world, and they, they came in, and, and this is the stupidity of this of this merger. You know, they're cutting local sports resources at these small papers where this really matters. It's just <laughs> insane. It's absolutely insane. And Mo is too nice of a guy to say it.
0: Yeah. But I'll say it, and he got royally, royally fucked on that. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I was, I was hoping you weren't going to say screwed. I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, yeah it's 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 hard to get fired by the or laid off by the same company twice like it's hard to do that
1: well they come back for you a second time (laughs) I know
0: I know he is as I said he uh, if I if I have his delivery and his take and his approach and his views on life you know uh, as we joked he graduated when I was born so I'm not trying to be mean (laughs) here by saying when I'm his age but when I'm his age I I hope that's the way I approach everything I've always enjoyed being around him and and how he's approached everything. So you could you uh, can do classy much worse. guy, yeah, classy guy. There's no question about it. And we do appreciate his time, as you mentioned. Sm-tnSports.com, sports.com is the website there. So make sure you check it out. All right, ratings and Rex, you ready to go? Let's go. Uh, all right, number one, and this we we've got some like number one with a bullet. Best local since conversation. Titans Colts twenty nine point nine is the highest. Ooh. Yes. The highest-rated regular season Titans game since September of 2011, when the Titans-Ravens game pulled a 30.6. So again, 29.9, best-rated regular season Titans game in basically a decade. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what else to say.
1: Everybody I know was watching this game, so and it looked like it and they got off to
0: a hot start early, 14. 14- you know, fourteen points for the Colts, fourteen points for the, points for the Titans. So it looked like a shootout early. Then the Titans pull away. So it sort of has all the makings of how a game unfolds to really and a huge game for first place. Like you put it all together, and you get a rating like that.
1: It was a bit of a bit of a Charles Davis redemption game. Uh, he wasn't as bad as he's
0: been. I am shocked to hear you say this. Uh,
1: I am shocked to say it. Uh, he just he wasn't terrible, uh, and <laughs> he didn't suck. Didn't suck. I, I you know, I ain't Eagles fine absolutely fine.
0: So I'm really surprised. So number 2 Chiefs Bucks, number 3 Texans Lions, I'll give you the numbers in a second. Washington uh, Cowboys, Washington Dallas number 4. Alabama uh, Auburn the Iron Bolt number 5 checked in at a 12.1. But here's what's interesting to me. The, the Chiefs Bucks and I'm not surprised by this because it's Tom Brady versus the Super Bowl champions, right? So that that makes sense as a draw. But if you told me that the Chiefs Bucks is going to pull a 20.1 in Nashville and every one of those rating points, again, according to Mark Binda of News Channel 5, we do appreciate him providing these, this information, is about 11,000 TV homes. You can do the math on that. You're, you're talking over 200,000 households watching a Chiefs-Bucks game in Nashville. That's in, That, to me, is incredible.
1: Well, it's the benefit of the late window. You have fewer games, and so... If you had red zone on uh, on that afternoon, there were only three games on red zone, so <laughs> you were watching most of that game anyway. I-, I guess I'm not that surprised by it. Mahomes Brady yeah. is is a marquee matchup. I mean, it, it, what's a bigger matchup than those two this year?
0: I just I, I guess Brady's that big of a draw. I just have not. Everyone's like fascinated with the Bucks, and I'm just not. They're I mean, there's still the Bucks in those crappy pewter uniforms. I just am not interested in the Bucks.
1: I'm a Brady hater from long back, but I tuned in to see because I wanted to see the Chiefs win. I, like <laughs> I, I wanted I
0: wanted to see them smash the Bucks. I am more interested in the Patriots because he's not there. Is that that's the nerdiness of that, that me of me? I guess I, I'm more interested in what Belichick is doing. That was a because, bad game because he doesn't have. Oh, they're they're hideous to watch, but I'm more interested in what's taking place. Anyway, uh, Iron Bowl there, top uh, CBS game of the week, twelve point one, still a pretty good number there. Um,
1: and the power of, uh, you know, the power of football on Thanksgiving, the Lions and the, the Lions and the Cowboys, uh, you know, what's interesting is the Lions game is on, uh, got, got a slightly better number. The Cowboys game was off, obviously the drift off to sleep uh, in a yeah. tryptophan haze sort of game. Yes.
0: All right. You want to get into uh, recommendations? Cause I'm going to, I'm going to fail. Either I'm going to fail miserably or I'm going to piss everybody off. I'm not sure about this. Go ahead. So I, I struggled uh, mightily this week to find a recommendation around high school football and, and, and media around high school football. There's a lot of good websites I could recommend. I think a lot of them do a good job. Mo mentioned a lot of them in our interview. I, I worked for Rivals.com, so I know all the websites. My commentary is, I've watched Friday Night Lights, the movie. I loved Varsity Blues as a kid. I did not know, by the way, that um, Johnny Mox uh, picked that, that uh, Vanderbeek War Number 4 because he loves Brett Favre. I did not know that really yeah he made that was the only thing he asked for in his contract in varsity blues he made sure that they changed his number to 4 because he loved watching Brett Favre which as a packers fan i'm not sure how i feel about that but outside of <laughs> outside of remember the titans which i really loved as far as football goes both high school college pro i like the program but that's not really about football that's about like scandal i i cannot stand watching football on television cinematically i think it's i think i I want to recommend a movie. I want to recommend a TV show. My wife will kill me for saying it. I haven't watched a lot of Friday Night Lights, the TV show. I do not think football translates to television. So I have no recommendation because I think high school, college, and pro football sucks on on a big screen.
1: Well, you know, it's funny you said that because because I've been thinking a lot about sports movies. Um, In in part, I I had consumed a couple of rewatchables episodes, and one of the pieces of commentary uh, on that from the Ringer guys was – Football is terrible on on the big screen because it's really hard to do. It's it's hard to put a fan into into that situation. We watch so much of it anyway.
0: You cannot uh, recreate the speed and the physicality right. and the and the violence of football and make it fake. You can't yeah, do it.
1: You can't. I mean, all of those. Uh, you're, you're watching at the highest level on Sundays anyway. It's hard to. It's really hard to fake it. You have to find like these really inventive ways to film it and and most people do a terrible job of it. But I've been thinking about sports movies because I I had come across this vulture list. And uh if you want to go back and find it, it's it's on vulture.com which is a which is a, a subsite of New York magazine. But they rank the they ranked the 50 best sports movies of all time. Remember the Titans was not in it. Which I'm actually I'm actually not that surprised about.
0: Uh, do, do you I, think remember the Titans did a good job representing football though, like the actual gameplay? The stuff I love for that uh, love out of
1: that is is all off the field. I mean, it's. I mean, all, I agree. I agree. I mean, you know, it, it's the it, it's it, it's Denzel pulling the kids out of the out of the dorms at you know yeah. four a.m. for them to 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 jog over to Gettysburg and for him to to give the speech about you know living and dying on this field. I mean, that's 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 it's really good cinema but i mean the the plays that they're running i mean
0: what i mean i yeah, even think they. I you're right well and i can again i can watch bull durham i can watch it you know, actually you know what rudy's not bad rudy did a pretty good job of of depicting football in cinematic form because you but, were seeing practice all the time though. yeah right exactly so and you can
1: I, isolate down to to like those little practice moments that's true and and, and plus you're expecting him to get killed
0: <laughs> that's sure. true but i can i can watch golf movies i can watch hockey movies i can watch basketball baseball you know i can watch you know blue chips like i can watch any of those major league bull durham what, what, what's your favorite yeah. what's your favorite sports movie gun to your head you have to say what's number one do you have to tell me if they count it's to me it's caddy and big lebowski those are the two but neither of those count if they don't count <laughs> those are nuts they're not really sports movies. I mean, I'm pretty cliche. They're sports adjacent. I, I love, I love. Uh, I mean, Hoop Dreams, Blue Chips, Bull Durham, Field of Dreams. You know, again, if, if Field of Dreams is a sports movie, then I think, I think Caddyshack is a sports movie.
1: Uh, Maybe you're
0: pushing that. it on ha- on the Big Lebowski because bowling is sort of a, I mean, it is a sport technically. You know. So the so vulture vulture's top
1: ten really quickly. Number ten, Slap Shot. Number nine league of their own
0: yeah. oh that's a great movie i like that, that a the kid great yeah. movie
1: number 8 is uh number 8 is controversial uh some people love this movie i love this movie because i love the director uh some people hate this movie it's ali uh, Oh, okay it's, it's a michael mann movie from 2001 yeah. number 7 is the wrestler
0: I'm, i don't think i've seen that
1: mickey rourke movie from uh, 2008 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah he got he got nominated for it number 6 it's a new york <laughs> list so pride of the yankees is on here yeah, okay. uh Number five is Foxcatcher, which was the uh, Steve Carell movie about Olympic wrestling. Number four, Bull Durham. Classic. I, I, Bull,
0: Bull, Durham, Bull Durham might be number one if, you, if I'm not allowed to pick Caddyshack.
1: Bull Durham, Bull Durham is, is, the, is the baseball movie that if it's on and I'm flipping around and yeah. I see
0: it, yeah. I'm, I'm,
1: I'm just in. Number three, Rocky. Okay, hard to argue. Hard to argue. Number two, now this is the one I would argue
0: raging bull it's been a while since i've seen that one but hard to argue with the critical acclaim of that movie
1: it is hard to argue with the critical acclaim. It is not a movie that I ever want to watch. <laughs> okay, and, and I and I think that's, that's I, mean, I think that's the thing about a sports movie is like some of it you're thinking about. I, I want to rewatch this. I want I want to see this again.
0: Yeah, and I, I I cannot I cannot sit through that movie. I can watch Miracle like you watch Bull Durham. Anytime yeah. Miracle comes on, I'm watching it. Done. I'm in. I'm gonna I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna finish it and I'm gonna cry when Al Michaels. Asks me if I believe in miracles. You know, I'm gonna
1: sit there and I'm gonna mouth the I'm gonna mouth the words at, at most of the like the little speeches uh, throughout it. Right, yeah. that's it, it's such a fun movie. Number one,
0: Hoop Dreams. Yeah. that not gonna hear an argument from me on that one.
1: That is it. That is a
0: fantastic movie.
1: Uh, my my personal favorite was number 22 on the list, uh, which is Hoosiers. Yeah, Hoosiers is up there. I'm a Hoosiers uh, stan. My let's see, that would have come out my my junior year of high school. And uh, our team was in a terrible rut, and as <laughs> uh, as as a matter of inspiration, coach called off practice for the day and took us all to go see Hoosiers. Did it work? Uh, I, you know, won. Uh, uh, it was. I think it was. I think it was right before the uh, right before the district games, and uh, won the district. <laughs> got slaughtered in the regionals but uh, that's another matter. Yeah, that's all
0: right you got a, you got a w though uh yeah. so your recommendation is to check out vulture's top movie list yeah uh, and, it, and my recommendation is to not watch blindside terror i didn't think it was good <laughs> I, I didn't think i don't any given sunday people are obsessed with any given sunday i think it's garbage i think it's terrible
1: love i love it i love any given sunday because none of like it is some, real none of it's real absolutely it's such a hyper stylized thing. I hate it. I hate it, it. It's like it's like all Oliver Stone movies. I mean, it, it is reality adjacent. <laughs> it
0: is not trying to be. I know. Random. I like. If I had to watch, if I had to watch football movies, it would be Varsity Blues, out of pure high schoolness because it came out of my, during my. I don't years. want. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want your life. Things change, Mox. the uh, <laughs> Varsity Blues. Remember the Titans and oh Friday, Friday Night. I like Friday Night Lights the movie. Yeah. I like I like Friday Night Lights the movie, so I'm okay with those. But I still you know should spend
1: you should spend quality time with with Friday Night Lights the TV show. It is just
0: excellent? I am holding out until I need something badly from my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
1: not, I'm just gonna leave that there. No, like when I want to
0: watch the show is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Steve okay. is what I'm talking about. I, she wants me to desperately watch Friday Night Lights and will rewatch it with me. I am waiting until I really want to watch something like when i want to watch when i want to force her to watch star wars for the first time wow that's the kind of you see what i'm saying like it's a bar, it's a bargaining chip for me now at this point
1: wait she won't watch star wars or hasn't watched
0: star hasn't wars? and won't never has never seen them nope wow i i got her to watch the wire with me by telling her i'd watch friday night lights with her and then i never followed through
1: <laughs> oh wait so so you're you're like a full series in arrears here i mean You owe her this.
0: Uh, I've watched a lot of trash TV on her behalf (laughs) in the last eight months. I'm fine. It's been a rough Uh, pandemic. Yeah, it has. All right. Anything else you'd like to add? Thank you, of course, to Mo Patton for joining us.
1: I appreciate Mo uh, for for making time. Uh, Good guy. Go check out uh, Southern Middle Tennessee Sports, sm-tnsports.com. If you want to find me on the interwebs, you can find me
0: at Scavendish. On Twitter? You can follow me, Braden Gall, at Braden Gall, on the socials. Of course, at 440 Sports as well on both Twitter and Facebook for the company there. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Mo Patton for joining us. For Steve Cavendish, my name is Gall. This has been Lamestream Sports on the 440 Sports Network.